So, uh, so 2020 happens. 2020 is over. Um, and we are, we are in a new calendar year. We have flipped the script. And, and as I'm looking out this morning, I see that, uh, that we are taking our social distancing very seriously here in 2021. Maybe more so than we did. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But, um, you know, we talked a lot in 2020 about the rough things that happened throughout the course of the year. Everywhere we went, that conversation, it seemed like it came up at some point or another that at some point, if we were hanging out with people for more than a minute, it felt like somebody brought up a pandemic or they brought up racial tensions or they brought up riots or they brought up killer hornets or they brought up, you know, the list goes on. At some point or another, those things seem to come up. And as we think back to 2020, uh, I think we can all maybe not quite all of us, but most of us can probably say that we know somebody who was seriously affected by some of the things happened in a negative way. Maybe it's uh, we, we know somebody who got sick from COVID. Uh, maybe we know somebody who has, who has been stuck at home, it feels like, for the past nine months almost. Uh, maybe if you're watching this morning or you're watching this later, you are that person who has felt stuck at home for the past nine months. Um, we know many of us, somebody who has died throughout the course of this past year, and maybe they died from COVID, maybe they died from something else, but we know that loss. And so there's been this sense for a while now of we can't wait for 2020 to get over. Like if, you, if you're on social media, you've seen the memes. It's almost impossible to ignore that you've seen the memes of 2020 is like, and then they put, you know, something on there. I think the, the most recent one I saw was, you know, uh, can't wait for January 1st when 2020 turns drinking age and it becomes 21 because that'll make it so much easier. Like there's all these different memes out there as far as once 2020 is over, things will get better and we can leave that year behind us. But I've got some news for you, church, and I shared this with you several months ago, that January 1st didn't change anything. I know, that's real encouraging to walk in here on a Sunday morning and hear. January 1st didn't change anything. We still have a pandemic. We still have racial tension in our country. We still have election issues going on in our country. We still somewhere have killer hornets flying around somewhere. We still have all of these things going on. We still have people who don't feel comfortable leaving home whether their doctor told them or whether they've heard from somewhere else. We still have people walking around who are, you know, just ignoring everything and saying it's all fake. We still have all of these things going on. 2021 didn't erase any of that. So what are we going to do differently in 21 so that it doesn't start to feel like 2020 all over again? Because it doesn't just wipe it out and it doesn't just change it all. My proposal to you this morning is that in 2021, we take back our lives. And now, I do not mean that in 2021, I think we need to start a revolution against the government of our particular state or our, our nation, I'm not, or our community, whatever it is. I'm not saying that we start a, you know, we become revolutionaries and we start a war within our country. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying we take back our lives by changing the way that we think about things in 2021. You know, I, uh, for 12 years, I've been a youth pastor. This is the first 
January that I've come across where I'm, I'm not in the youth pastor's shoes anymore. Last week, I don't know if you know this, but last week is like that unofficial youth pastor Sunday across churches all across America. It's as a youth pastor for 12 years, that was the best shot that I had at getting to speak on a Sunday morning to people over the age of 18 because all of the lead pastors went on vacation on that Sunday in between Christmas and New Year's. And I always said, when I get to be a lead pastor, you know, not that it was my goal, but I knew that someday it was coming. When I become a lead pastor, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna, you know, have it be youth pastor Sunday. And then last week I went on vacation and Megan got up here and spoke and I realized I just, I just did youth pastor Sunday. Like we did it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. Megan does an incredible job of speaking and we don't just have her speak on that one Sunday because she has words to share. And so we let her share those. Like we want her to share those, but, but we did it. So anyway, for 12 years, on the first Sunday in January, the first Wednesday in January, I've been speaking to people under the age of 18. And we've been talking about, almost every single year, what are the New Year's resolutions that you've made this year? You know, how many of you made a New Year's resolution this year? Or you called a goal, or maybe you came up with a word for this year? Anybody do that? No? I see a couple people are like, eh. I mean, kind of, sort of, but nobody's raising their hand. Okay, we had a couple in the first service. I realize those aren't as big of a deal these days as they used to be. Like, those used to be, man, I know when I was in high school, it was like everybody was talking about, what's your New Year's resolution? What's your New Year's resolution? Mine, for probably the first 30 years of my life, um, well, once I got old enough to care about it, but my New Year's resolution every year for like the first 30 years of my life was this is the year, this is the year that I'm going to get a six-pack. This is the year that these abs are going to be rock hard and they're going to have lines in them. And it's going to be awesome. I don't know why I cared so much. I never took my shirt off. But I, I, I'm, this is going to be the year that it's going to happen. And then I saw a commercial several years ago by your former quarterback here of the Indianapolis Colts, Peyton Manning, who I don't remember what the commercial was for. And I'm not going to say it exactly how he said it. But he basically looked at me and he looked at everybody who was watching the commercial and he says, men, listen up. If you are over the age of 30 and you're still holding out hopes for that six-pack, it's time to just buy a bigger shirt. Like, it's not going to happen. Just buy a bigger shirt. You're, you've, you've waited this long. It's not So, so I gave up on, on that, uh, that New Year's resolution several years ago. But we, you know, I have encouraged people, I have encouraged students for 12 years to make these goals. Now, not to make those kinds of goals, but to actually stop and ask, you know, ask the Spirit, what is it that you would have me do this year? To stop and look at your life and be like, what are some of those things that, that I really do need to do better on this year? Because we all have those things in our lives. And January 1st is not some magic date that all of a sudden, now I'm going to be able to do it. Now I'm going to be able to like, okay, December 31st, I didn't have the ability to, to follow through with that habit, but now it's January 1st, and I have the ability to, to follow through with this thing that I've been wanting to do for 37 years, but I've never done before. It's not magically that it happens, but with things in our lives that we need to do better on, there has to be a start point at some time. So why not January 1st have that be your start point? You know, it's fun going into the gym on the first week of January because it's packed in the gym. And then by the second and third weeks, all the machines are open again and you can do whatever you want because everybody's already given up. 
Like the gyms are still getting their money for the year, so they don't care. But all those people who were there for the first week or two, they're like, yeah, that was way too hard. And they're not there anymore. And, you know, they don't want to get up early or they don't want to put in that effort. And so we have some of those things. You know, we, uh, we have in my, uh, a group of us friends from Casper that we've stayed in touch with, we have adopted a, a resolution, if you want to call it, for this year, a challenge that we have with each other called the, the 3 two, one challenge. Uh, and it is that three days a week, you're going to work out, whatever that looks like for you. And obviously, you can do more than that. But three days a week, you're going to make sure you get in a workout. Two hours per day, you're going you're gonna to make sure that you're spending time with God for two hours every single day. That may be prayer. That may be reading scripture. That may be... Um, watching a sermon online. It could be all sorts of different things, but you're going to spend that time dedicated to God. I'm, you know, not that we're ignoring you the other 22 hours, but this is just you and me right now. Uh, and then we have to, and this is probably going to be the hardest one, not going to lie, we have to eat one vegetable every single day. Like one legit serving of vegetables. So I can't even just eat a carrot. I have to eat a serving of carrots. I don't even know what a serving of carrots is. But we have to do that every single day. Um, that's our that's our New Year's challenge for the year. I uh, I have a mug on my desk that actually says "Be careful because you might end up in my sermon," and um, that just happened to those friends. Uh, they just ended up in my sermon. But I I, ch- I encourage people to make these because there's got to be a time to start. And my challenge to you this year is to, like I said, take back your life. You know, we have for the course of this year. Everywhere we go, it feels like, the conversation turns towards all the bad things that are happening in our world or in our nation. Everywhere we go. And it drags us down. I mean, eventually, you can only talk about it so many times before you either become, you either enter into despair or you enter into anger. And so it affects your mood. And so the conversations that everybody else around us is having are affecting us, and they're taking control of our lives. And my challenge is take back your life. Now, I am not inviting us to ignore all of the mandates that governors have put out there. I'm not inviting us to ignore the laws of our nation. I'm not inviting us to do any of those things. But what I am inviting us to do is to stop and consider how am I thinking about this, and what kind of conversations am I having about this? So I am, I'm wearing a shirt that I got for Christmas. Uh, I actually had a different shirt on this morning, and then I looked at Sarah, and I thought, hey, do you, do you think we'd get run out of here if I wore that T-shirt with the taco on it instead of wearing my button-up shirt? Like, how, how many times do you think I can get away with stuff like that before people start to, start to ask questions and start to say stuff? And she said, you know, I think at this point they've, they've given up on you in those types of areas, so just go for it. I don't know if that was actually her words, but that's the message that I heard. Because uh, men, let's face it, we hear different messages than what our wives actually say many times. Um, but anyway, I wanted to wear this shirt because, one, I got it for Christmas, and I like it. And it's a shirt that my brother and I saw a long time ago in a gas station. And so it's kind of been this running theme between the two of us for I don't even know how many years ago that was that we saw it. But also because I think this is a great way 
for us to actually take back our lives throughout the course of this year. As all of these other conversations are going on, that you know, we're not going to be able to remove ourselves from those conversations. We can't ignore that there's a pandemic. We can't ignore that there is still election controversy going on. We can't ignore that there is still racial tension in our country and in our world. We can't ignore any of those and act like they're not there. We need to have conversations about those, but we can also stop and have conversations about Jesus. And we can be intentional about having conversations about Jesus with people. The shirt, if you can't read it from where you are, says, want a taco about Jesus? You know, since the taco, let us pray. <laughs> Get it? Want to talk about it? You can chuckle, it's okay. You'll make me feel better if you do, even if you're faking it. But there's a verse at the bottom of it that says Mark 16, 15. And my bet is that you can't see that from where you are. But Mark 16, 15 uh, it says these words. It says, and then he told them, and that the, the he that we're talking about here is Jesus. He's talking to his disciples after he's died, after he's risen from the dead. He says these words to them. He says, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. This is your job. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Take back your life, take back your conversations, and preach the good news to everyone. If you pull up CNN, or you pull up Fox News, or you pull up Newsmax, or you pull up whatever news station it is that you want to watch, it's going to be pretty rare that you actually see good news on those stations. Because good news doesn't get ratings, and so they don't use it. You're going to see bad news. It's a, it's a pretty good sign of the society that we live in that when John Krasinski, also known as Jim from The Office, when he decided to do a YouTube channel that was all about just giving some good news, that it became an overnight sensation that people wanted to see. Now, part of that's because people love John Krasinski. They love his role in the office. They love his role in some other things. And so they were able to relate to him a little bit in that way. But it's also because he was just sharing stories in the midst of lockdown orders all over the nation. He was sharing stories of good things that have happened. He ended up, I don't know how many millions of dollars or, you know, maybe it wasn't millions. I don't know. But I don't remember how much he made when he sold the rights to that idea to a news station or whoever it was so that they could continue to air this idea of just some good news. Because people are desperate for good news. And church, guess what? We have good news. And our role is to share that good news with people that we come in contact with. That when they're being pulled down and we're being pulled down by the, by the things that happened in 2020 and that are going to continue to happen in 2021 or something else bad is going to come along, it's not just all going to magically get better, that we actually have good news that we can share with people. That when they're in the midst of a hopeless moment, we can share with them why there is reason for hope. When they're in the midst of all is lost and there's nothing good in our world, we can share with them where they can find peace. I, uh, yesterday, I was, uh, I was invited to speak at Brenda King's funeral service. And as I was preparing for this, you know, 
I, I, don't, I don't personally know Brenda. I mean, I've met her very briefly a couple of times. And one of those times was at her husband's funeral. So it wasn't like we sat down and had this real deep conversation about her life. And so I was, I was talking to people who knew her so much better than I did. And some of you know her so much better than I did. But one of the things that I was, I was telling people yesterday was that our prayers right now, our thoughts right now, they're, they're not for Brenda. I have no reason to doubt, and even if I did doubt, it's not my place to say one way or the other, but I have no reason to doubt that Brenda has entered into glory, that Brenda is receiving her reward, that she's not burdened by the things that we are burdened by anymore. And you know, most of us, we know somebody throughout the course of this year, whether we're close to them or not, we know somebody who has left behind the burdens of this world over the course of the last year. So I, I was sharing that with the family and friends yesterday that, that our, our concern and our sadness is not for Brenda, but we still have sadness because we are gonna miss her and we are going to miss those that we said goodbye to. In a couple of weeks, um, I'm actually, I'm not gonna be here uh, because I'm going to be down in Oklahoma City at a funeral of one of my cousin-in-laws uh, who died in the middle of December. And we're going to go down and we're going to celebrate his life. And there's going to be a lot of laughter and there's going to be a lot of singing because he loved to sing. And that side of my family loves to sing. But there's also going to be, there's going to be sadness and there's going to be a lot of tears because we live in a world that is full of things that bring heaviness to our hearts. But what if in the midst of those things, we could still continue to take back our life and have joy and hope and peace in those? And as I was, uh, as I was praying about, God, what is it that you want me to share with a family that honestly, I don't know? A song, um, I believe, was put on my heart in the course of that time, a song that, that I grew up singing but that was written way before I was born. Now, I don't know how long before I was born, but it was before I was born. And some of you might know it, and I would invite you to sing with me on this one, but I think uh, as we look back on 2020 and we start looking ahead to what could be instead, instead of that being pulled down, I think the words of this song capture it so well. And it goes like this. It says, why should I be discouraged? Why should the troubles come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. For his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. And then uh, we go into the verse of this song. It talks about, you know, briefly in there it mentions, why should I feel discouraged? When I have Jesus who is my constant friend, 
Well, because of that, I can sing these words that I sing because I'm happy. And I sing because I'm free. For his eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. See, we are told by Jesus to go out and to preach the good news to everyone that we come across. That the good news is, I mean, it's, it's pushed against. It really is. And you're going to go up to some people and you're going to, now, you're probably not going to start the conversation with, hey, would you like to talk about Jesus? But if you are intentional about figuring out how to talk about Jesus with this person in this circumstance, in this conversation, you are going to run across moments where the people are going to look at you and they're going to be like, just stop. I don't want to hear it. I don't believe any of that stuff. I think it's ridiculous. There's, there's no, I don't know why you believe that. It's a waste of your time. You're going to run across that. But that doesn't mean that we just stop and we don't care. We're going to come across people who we're going to say, hey, can I pray for you? And they're going to be like, no, don't waste your time. That doesn't mean that we can't walk away praying for that person. Now, I wouldn't look at them in the face and say, you know what, I'm going to pray for you anyway. You don't make a vindiction out of it. Like, you know what, you don't like it? Well, guess what, I'm going to do it anyway because it's true whether you believe it or not. But we can still pray for them. We can still share through our lives the good news with them. I believe that if we take back our lives, people will look at us and they will see that there is something different and they will ask, well, how can you say those words? How can you believe that? Why aren't you discouraged? Why aren't you full of loneliness? You know, we can begin to actually look back on this year of 2020 And instead of just looking at all the negative things that happened in it, we can see that God did some incredible things over the course of 2020. You know, here in this church, he did some incredible things over the course of 2020. Here in this community, he did some incredible things. In my family, in in my more immediate family, you know, we, we lost some people in 2020. But in the course of that, with my grandma passing, It gave us all an excuse to come together in the middle of the summer and to spend time as a family together. And there there was some tension, but it actually went really well. And we saw that even when people disagree on some big things, they can stop and they can talk and they can work through some things, even within our family. And while we lost a cousin in December, we also welcomed a new baby in December. My younger, my only younger brother, he welcomed in his first child in December, shortly before Christmas. We didn't get to see him at Christmas time, which that part stunk. But, you know, I saw that his wife, she actually put on Facebook that, you know, 2020 has been a hard year for a lot of people, and we understand that. But, but we look back at 2020, and it's actually one of the best years of our entire lives because we welcomed in our first child. In July, right around the time that that we had my grandma's funeral, I was also able to go out and officiate a wedding for the youth pastor who took my position at Highland Park where we came from in Casper. And for that couple, 2020 is one of the best years of their entire life. It doesn't erase all that other stuff. It doesn't mean that none of that stuff affected them. It doesn't mean that they don't care about any of that. It doesn't mean that they don't have empathy for other people who it wasn't the best year of their life. But they have those things that they can look at and they can be like, no, 2020 was a great year. And I would say that for us, there are great 
things that happened over the course of the past year. The question is, will we acknowledge them and will we look at them? Or will we allow other people in other circumstances to dictate our lives and to dictate our moods and to dictate our beliefs and just believe that it was a wasted year? In 2021, if you allowed that to happen in 2020, in 21, you can start over and you can say, no, 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 I'm gonna take back my life. I'm gonna look at the good news and I'm gonna share that good news with other people. In Jude, which there is no chapter to Jude, I almost in the first service said in Jude chapter 21 and then quickly caught myself because there is just Jude. There are verses of Jude. If you've never looked at it before, it is a really short book. It's a great one to, if you wanna say, hey, for 2021, I'm gonna read a book of the Bible. Man, you can be done with Jude today. And you can say, I accomplished my New Year's resolution. I would encourage you to do more than that, but you could do that much today. But in Jude, starting in verse 17, I want us to look at these words. It says, but you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. And now I don't want us to think of individual people, but I think we can all acknowledge that there are people walking around, some within the church, most outside the church, we hope, um, but there are people who are walking around who are creating divisions among other people. And some are doing it intentionally because they know that it will pull people down, and when you pull people down, you can control people. They're doing it for their own ungodly desires, they're creating divisions. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. But you, dear friends, and I'm gonna do something I don't like to do very often. I'm gonna add some words in the middle of a scripture passage. But you, dear friends, take back your life and do it like this. Build each other up in your most holy faith. Instead of allowing all of those things to tear you down and allowing all those things to pull you down and to pull other people down, man, build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, which means you have to first believe that there is power in prayer and power in the Holy Spirit. Await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. And in this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. In this way, you will be able to take back your life. And you won't have to allow all of those outside circumstances to control where you are in your life. You can intentionally decide that instead of allowing these things to pull me down, I'm going to build other people up. Because when you are actively sharing the good news and you are actively encouraging one another and you are actively building each other up, there's a neat little side effect that happens and it's that you get built up too. And you walk away finding yourself encouraged instead of pulled down. In 2021, we can make New Year's resolutions and we can make goals about fitness and those are good, those are great. You can make goals about eating healthier, and that's good, and that's great. You can make all sorts of goals that are really, really good, but I encourage you to make this your goal as well, to make it your goal to take back your life, to not allow these things to control you. As a church, I wanna share with you uh, 
and, and I'm going to be honest with you right now, this still feels really weird for me to stand up in front of other people and say, as a church, this is where we're going this year. Because it, it's, it still baffles me that God would use me to lead people in this way. So I don't say this as a, hey, church, I'm the pastor and you're gonna do what I say. It's not at all what this is. But as a, as a church, this is the direction that at least I'm going to be going throughout the course of this year, and I, I wanna invite you to go with me. That our word for this year is going to be the word restoration. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I would encourage you over the course of the next week to read through 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21. I would encourage you to read through that every single day over the course of this next week. But in, in that passage of scripture that we're going to look at next week, and we're going to start digging into, so you're getting a little preview, Paul writes the words to the church in Corinth that we have been given this ministry, a ministry of reconciliation. And so a couple months ago, as I was reading through that again, and it, as it just began to just settle in, um, I started to, to bring it up with staff, and we started to talk about this idea of reconciliation, and, and we started looking at what are some synonyms of reconciliation, because that word has a, you know, it's got all sorts of different things that come along with it and everything, and, and we, we stumbled across this synonym of restoration, Church, we live in a world, we live in a community, we live in a church, we live in homes, we ourselves personally, we live in a state of a, a desperate need for restoration. You know, it, we can see divisions everywhere we go, and we would love to see those restored back. We can see homes broken apart, and we would love to see those restored. We can see our community that is torn apart, and we would love to see it restored. We would love to see the community restored back to Christ. We would love to see the church restored back to its original intention, and I don't mean its original way of doing things, but its original intention. We would love to see, you know, I would love to see in my own personal life, the areas of my life that have been torn apart over the years and have, have, have wandered away from the ways that Christ would have me do things and the way that Christ would have me be, I would love to see those restored. There are things in my marriage that I would love to see restored. There are things in my family that I would love to see restored. And the church can be that beacon of light. The church can be that source of showing people this is what restoration looks like and this is why it's worth it. In a world that is constantly turning away from God, we can show them why there's reason to turn towards him. And so over the course of this year, as we dig into the, you know, how can we even believe that Jesus is real? That's all about restoring our beliefs about Jesus. As we talk about who Jesus is, that's about restoring our view of who he is, not putting him in our box, but us understanding who he is. As we talk about families and, and how families are intended to be, that's about restoring the family back to how God intended for it to be in the first place. As we talk about the church and what its role in the world is, that's about restoring the church back to its original intention. And so you're going to hear me talk a lot this year about restoration, and sometimes you'll hear the word reconciliation, and sometimes you'll hear the word bridge. You'll hear some of these different words being used. It's not gonna be a, a 52-week sermon series on restoration, but it's also a 52-week sermon series on restoration. 
because that is the ministry that we've been given. And as we go out and we share that good news, we do that to help restore people back to a relationship with the one who created them and who knit them together in their mother's womb. And so this year, I encourage you to take back your life by not allowing other things to pull you down, but instead by preaching the good news, by you yourself digging in and seeing what that good news is. And I invite you to join us as a church as we go on a journey of restoration and all of the different ways that that word matters. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw out the invitation to you for this week, for the second time, because I know that the first time, many times we hear it and we're like, oh, I kinda already forgot. I'm the same way, that's not me faulting you, I'm the same way. Read through 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21. And spend some time with God, just talking to him, God, what about this word restoration? What do you want me to do about this? What do, you want, what do you have for this for me? What do you have for this for our church? God, where are you leading us? Where are you restoring us? Where do I need to allow you in so that you can restore? Take back your life in 2021. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for being able to be here this morning. We thank you for... Uh, we thank you for leading us. We thank you that we don't have to go about this all by ourselves and we, th we praise you that there is this good news that we can share with others. We praise you that there is this good news that we can remember ourselves. That we don't have to just hear all the bad news but instead we get to be the bearers of good news. God, help us in whatever way it needs to be for that particular conversation just to say, hey, you want to talk about Jesus? Let us pray. Amen. I can't wait for this journey throughout the course of this year, and I hope that you can't wait for it either. I do believe that 21 is going to be better than 2020, but not because everything is going to change, but because I believe that we can change how we look at it. Have a great week this week, and go out and look for those opportunities to talk about Jesus this week.